I'm Marie Kempley, the Banker's Investment Banking and Capital Markets Editor, and in this podcast, I'm joined by Stefanos Papapanagiotou, Head of Financial Institutions Group at UBS. Thanks for joining me today, Stefanos. Thank you, Marie. It's a pleasure to be here with you today. Great. Um, And in this podcast, we're going to be discussing the health of the European banking sector, as well as the prospects for consolidation. So, Stefanos, you know, following a year of of COVID-19 and and obviously prior to that, the continuing low interest rate environment as well, what is your assessment today of of the health of the European banking sector? Thank you, Marie. Um, The banking sector in in Europe continues to see its profitability under um, significant pressure. And I expect this to continue to be the modus operandi for the medium term, i.e. next two to three years. The outlook for future returns on tangible equity is and will remain uncertain um, and under pressure. Uh, From a top-down perspective, there are some positive signs. Uh, GDP is expected uh, uh, to recover post-COVID towards levels of 5%. Short-term yields have been uh, uh, rising. Uh, the cost of risk is expected to normalize post-COVID, and in any case, is below the expectations of uh, the market and, was more, and what most banks have provided for at the beginning of the pandemic. The capital is strong, uh, with significant margin to uh, MDA uh, for most of the banks. Um, uh, that the structural headwinds, though, uh, you know, remain, uh, and any increase in profit before taxes except is expected primarily, if not all, because of the reversals in overprovided balance sheets. Uh, you know, policy rates will remain at current levels. There is no sign that policymakers are willing to put an end to this, and hence negative rates outlook is the base case. Loan growth is likely to continue to be anemic. Further cost optimization is very challenging, particularly in the absence of uh, uh, any further business transformation. I mean, as I mentioned, capital levels are quite healthy, but regular requirements are increasing and COVID accommodations from the regulator uh, are likely to be lifted at some point soon. So although, you know, although bank stocks have been performing well uh, since the start of the year, uh, they continue to lag the broader economy, uh, trading at about sort of 50% discount. But also, if you look at the European banks versus uh, banks in uh, other regions around the world, uh, they also trade at discount. Uh, I mean, if you I'll give you a statistic, on a, on a two-year forward priced tangible book, uh, EU banks trade about uh, circa 30% discount to their US peers. And some of those themes you've, you've kind of touched upon there, I think it's fair to say, have been themes that have been with us for a few years now, obviously COVID, COVID aside. How can European banks change the narrative, you know, given that these challenges, as I say, have been with us for, for, for a few years? How can they kind of shift the paradigm, do you think? Um, that's a very good question, Mary. I mean, as I said previously, some of these challenges uh, that banks face are, are not under their control. E.g. negative or low rates are not something the banks can influence. So these will persist, hence the... Uh, um, the, the you know the the focus and the effort needs to be on other areas. I mean, if we break it down to the different uh, you know cohorts of banking activity, uh, also uh, on the pure commercial banking, uh, you know it, the, the, there is limited sort of operating uh, profit growth and uh, and and profitability uh, on CIB and wealth management. While those are offering a higher returns, the growth profile is not dissimilar. I mean, clearly on wealth management, growth stands above the other two. 
but still, you know, sort of anemic. So changing the narrative uh, comes down effectively to changing the business model. And what are those features that, uh, you know, someone would expect to see or would, you know, uh, would position a bank in the winner's corner uh, and ultimately sort of lead it to uh, re-rate and demand a premium valuation? I could mention a few. Um, high advisory led or fee generation content, i.e. reducing income dependency on interest rates. Uh, strong in-house product platforms to differentiate uh, in the market versus competitors. Uh, no heavyweight corporate banking. I release and optimize RWAs and hence, you know, capital put against it with the objective of lifting your, your returns on equity. And a more linear operate, operational setup with a, a linear business focus is part of those features. Of course, uh, you know, solid, continue to, to employ and, uh, and uh, working with a solid balance sheet uh, gives the banks a defensive position in the post-COVID environment. Not universally negative outlook by the sound of it. It sounds like there are some some opportunities there. You know, if we were to flip it, flip the situation on its head, what 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 would you say were the the strengths of of the European se- banking sector, and what are those opportunities then? Do you think going forward? Let's not forget the European banks have have come a long way since the financial crisis. They have done major strides in de-risking the asset quality of uh, of uh, the balance sheets and 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 building uh, their capital buffers. I'll give you a statistic, NPE stocks reduced from 1.2 trillion in 2014 mm. to about uh, half a trillion in 2020, with NPE ratios uh, uh, decreasing from 8% to 4%. So um, NPE were a, meaning non-performing, just to... Just non-performing, to yes, correct, yeah. correct. Yeah. They're non-performing exposures. The legacy, the legacy book of the banks. Mm. Um, so they've taken you know, big steps in, in reducing that. They have evolved the uh, servicing business of those loans, uh, to become more industrialized, right, by partnering with specialized players. Um, uh, and they have implemented that sometimes also for performing books. Um, in terms of capital, as I said, you know, the majority of banks across Europe are by a safe margin above the MDA thresholds. Uh, but also, you know, the banks have taken significant steps to rationalize central costs and optimize their branch networks. Um, of course, in this area, there is much further work that needs to be, uh, you know, to take place to create the positive jaws and hence the, you know, sort of increase the profitability. Um, but this is a this is a challenge, but it's also an opportunity, right? Because uh, um, obviously it requires significant effort and it's not always easy. But there are a number of opportunities that can come out of that. I mean, further branch rationalization, uh, you know, can be achieved by deploying more digital technology in servicing customers. Um, another example is investing in alternative channels like, you know, proximity banking, for instance, creating common platforms for certain back office operations like KYC, fraud management, uh, regulatory reporting in an effort to, you know, to manage your costs uh, down, um, you know, simplify your products and services across geographies to improve operating performance. So uh, additional cost rationalization can be supported in the medium term. Uh, by enhancing, you know, the digital uh, and innovation footprint of the banks, while optimizing the processes and, adopt- and adopting their, you know, sort of technologies across the board. Just also to mention that, you know, th- there is uh, one other opportunity which, you know, has been also seen as a threat was a tech disruption that is, you know, has been sort of knocking on the bank's uh, door for quite some time now. 
I mean, clearly a threat, but it it has been an opportunity and and can become one for uh, other you know other other banks. Um, but the fintech ecosystem, you know, has been growing at a fast pace. But some of the banks in Europe have have been keeping pace by enhancing their own online interaction with customers, uh, creating digital, you know, sort of banking platforms, establishing partnerships with technology providers, uh, but also making, you know, VC type of investments in technology pra- uh, platforms and uh, and innovation labs. Um, and and one final thing on that point is that you know the banks have been sort of reviewing their business perimeters, uh, and I think that's that's something else that will create opportunities, uh, not just in terms of the you know sort of the different uh, business uh, segments, but also their international footprints. So all in all, um, uh, you know the, there are a number of key opportunities. Banks are looking at at, at those. Are considering sort of entering, in, entering, or enhancing and reinvesting in certain subsectors of the financial services, e.g., insurance, etc. So, uh, I, I think you know the banks are very busy, sort of working along those lines. Mm. Okay, so you've outlined the, I'd say, quite a few interesting areas of, of optimization op- um, opportunities for, for the banks. I'm keen also to talk around, um, you know, consolidation, which is another um, often discussed theme within the context of European banking. You know, for, for, for a number of years now, there's been a lot of speculation around whether we are going to see um, a, a kind of uptick in, in consolidation activity and as well as is some of that going to be cross-border activity. Do you, do you think we are likely to see consolidation activity this year? And will it be cross-border or should we kind of manage our expectations that that's more likely to be domestically focused deals, do you think? I think, Marie, that, uh, I mean, we talked about the sort of the, uh, uh, you know, the, 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 the need for the banks to, to affect business transformations and the changes are happening in the context of that. I mean, clearly the M&A route is the ultimate form of business transformation. My view is that uh, this will continue to be at domestic level. I mean, a number of markets uh, um, uh, in, around Europe, there is significant fragmentation and therefore, you know, sort of in-market uh, consolidation makes a tremendous sense. Um, uh, uh, and in some cases, a must for the overall efficiency of the local banking system. So there is a clear need for some of those banking systems to be, you know, really sort of consolidated before one sort of embarks uh, to, to cross the borders. I mean, cross-border clearly makes a lot of sense, of course. Um, uh, but I, I don't think we're there yet. So I'm not sure that 2021 will be the year for that. Still work to be done there then. Um, thanks so much for sharing your views and experiences with us today, Stephanos. Um, that's all for this podcast, but you can keep up to date by subscribing to our weekly podcasts on iTunes, Spotify and Acast, as well as following our discussions at thebanker.com forward slash podcast. Thanks for listening. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.